0: Hey friends, welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. I'm Alicia.
1: My name is Stacy, and thank you so much for
0: joining us here on our season finale. Yeah, we're leaving season 16 and 2022 behind us. We're just going to walk on by. (laughs) Yes, we are. Stacy. speaking of walking on by, you are bringing us a delightful walk on by kind of a trashy divorce this week. Who you got?
1: I have singing legend deon warwick who uh married the same guy twice we're gonna talk about that
0: <laughs> before we begin oh my we cannot walk on by without giving some big thanks and love to our most recent supporters over on patreon.com let's show a little love in our magic mirror for thank you so much ramona mk amelia p brandy c New super supporter as well, Nicole F., and a super, super supporter, Holy Cats Kim N. Thank you all so much for joining us over there. And all Patreon friends, too. We're catching up to the end of the business for the year. If you have somehow missed your shout out on the podcast, please let us know. I'll make a list and ensure you get your name in the magic mirror when we launch season 17 (gasps) January the 4th <laughs> let us not walk on by this week Stacy, I feel like you had a pretty good time in our send off with Dion Warwick this week I, I, I did indeed feel like it's just pretty much time to go 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 oh I can't wait for this one Stacy. tell me tell me
1: Alicia, I think Dionne Warwick maybe needs no introduction, but we're going to give her one anyway. She is a Grammy-winning singer. She's an actress. She's an all-around icon who has been captivating audiences around the globe for more than six decades now. And as mentioned, she also married and divorced the same guy twice, and it's a good story. Marie Dionne Warwick... Not Warwick. Really? Mm-hmm. Was born December 12th, 1940. Happy birthday. Late. Oh,
0: happy birthday. Happy
1: late birthday in East Orange, New Jersey, where she was raised in a comfortable household with her two siblings. Her mother worked at an electrical plant while her father had just a number of interesting career endeavors. He was a Pullman porter when she was young, and after he left the railroad, he became a certified public accountant, oh, wow. which let him later be her bookkeeper. Uh, He was a butcher. He owned a candy store at one point. Like, dad. Very entrepreneurial. In the 1970s, he even wrote a book on gospel music and served as Dion's road manager for a while. Oh, wow. Oh, and did I mention that Dion's grandfather was a minister? So, anyway, family full of accomplishments. After Dion's maternal grandfather passed away, her mom's youngest sister came to live with the family. Aunt Sissy was just seven years older than Dion, so it was much more like a sibling relationship. Sure, sure. And Aunt Sissy would later become the mother of a little-known singer named Whitney Houston. Figured that was probably coming in this one. Yeah. Aunt Sissy. So her mother's family had come from Savannah, Georgia, and back in the 1930s, here in Savannah, they had begun singing gospel, as their last name was Drinkard. It looks weird, but it's their last name. The Drinkard Jubilaires. Okay, name. Later, the Drinkard Singers, and they performed widely, including at Carnegie Hall and the Newport Jazz Festival.
0: Holy cats.
1: Yeah, they were even signed to RCA Records in the 1950s. So it's not a big surprise that Dion and her sister Didi felt entirely supported in their efforts to become singers, and both did. Well, let's just become singers. Let's just be singers. There was obviously church singing, and again, grandfather was the minister at the church, so he
0: you're probably going to get on stage to sing. He, if encar- you...
1: he encouraged. This was strongly encouraged, and this gave Dion her first experience of really being propelled along by an enthusiastic audience. She, of course, is massively naturally talented at singing, so I think the congregation was not faking
0: their enthusiasm. <laughs> More than likely,
1: she was also in Glee Club in high school, and she even won a spot on the New Jersey All State Choir her senior year, which earned her a trip to Atlantic City. To perform a big concert.
0: Wow, Dion! Big
1: grown up experience. It was around this time that Dion and Dee Dee formed the Gospel (laughs) Airs. The gosh, naming conventions were intense back then, uh, along with several other teenagers from their church choir. Lots of kids formed bands in high school, but the Gospel Airs were something entirely different. Because of the family history of church singing, they knew how to book themselves at church functions around New Jersey and beyond. And eventually got themselves to the Apollo Theater in Harlem, where they won wow. the Amateur Talent Contest, yes. That's a big deal. Yes. After the show, they were approached about singing backup at a studio in Newark. And soon enough, the Gospel Airs were the female backing vocals for the biggest names in music. Ray Charles, the Shirelles, the Drifters, on and on. That's incredible. Keep in mind that the Gospel Airs were still in high school. And their parents did not consider succeeding in education to be some kind of optional thing. Like, yeah,
0: that's um, weird parents. I know. got ruin all the fun, mom and dad.
1: Parents. They spent much of their senior year, this little group of, of singers, um, taking a bus into Manhattan on Saturday and Sunday mornings, laying down tracks as quickly as humanly possible, and then rushing back to East Orange in the evenings. This was obviously not ideal in some <laughs> respects. <laughs> But Dion and the group became extremely proficient at nailing their parts on the first take, which is super
0: helpful. Super helpful. That's how you build a good rep. Yeah. In the backup biz. Mm
1: -hmm. When she finally graduated from high school, she spent the summer earning a reputation as the demo queen. She was recording for songwriters at the Brill Building, including... No way. Bert Bacharach. And he is credited with discovering Dion in 1961 when she was singing backing vocals for one of his songs being recorded by the
0: Drifters. That's incredible.
1: Dion has always apparently had a good head for business, probably from her dad. So on top of the rest of it, uh, you know, all of the, the talent for singing, etc. So she managed to set a pay scale for herself and the Gospel airs that was more than twice the Union scale at the time. No way! Mm-hmm. So get this, again, 1960. The going rate at the time was $22.50 per side of the record or per hour, whichever was greater, right? Okay. Dion opted not to join the union as well as the gospel heirs. They did not join the union. Uh, so she set their rate at 45 bucks per side or per hour, whichever. And such was the group's talent that, you know, Bacharach and the Brill Building songwriters, they paid it. Meanwhile, Dion was studying at the Hart College of Music in Hartford, Connecticut, and while her parents certainly appreciated that she had this lucrative and creative side project going on, they considered her education to be her paramount task at that stage. But as her collaboration with Burt Bacharach and fellow songwriter Hal David continued, they
0: increasingly suggested that she begin a career as a solo artist. I mean, you just said the two names. Like, yeah. It's not like she's wasting her time. No, no. she's with Burt Bacharach and, and Hal, Hal David. David. Right.
1: Uh, her parents were a hard no on it, but <laughs> eventually they agreed on the condition that she only record on weekends. Again. How'd that go? It went. Okay. Yeah. Bert had promised Dion a song called Make It Easy on Yourself that she was especially fond of. This was part of the pot sweetener to work something out with her parents. Okay, so she's promised the song. She signs a production agreement with um, Hal and Bert, and she signs a recording contract with Scepter Records, which was home of the Shirelles, Uh among others. But she was pretty taken aback not too long after when she's out driving around and heard Make It Easy on Yourself on the Radio, sung by someone else. And uh, in the inevitable confrontation with Bert and Hal over this little bit of light treachery, she used the phrase, don't make me over. You know, like, don't, yeah. don't lie to me. Don't tell me you're going to do something sure. and then do something else. This became the title of Dionne Warwick's first top 40 hit. Fantastic. In 1963. Uh, Incidentally, Don't Make Me Over is also how Dionne Warwick became Dionne Warwick. It was a typo at the printer. Uh Uh-uh. But with the success of the song and her subsequent career, no one bothered to correct it. And her parents just thought like, oh, it's your stage name. That's good. And
0: thus a legend is born.
1: All right. So we have created the successful recording artist known as Dionne Warwick. So we're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back... We're going to talk about the road and the romances. See you on the flip. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm
0: Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences.
1: Yes, it's sort of the uh, get-to-know-ya at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, your, podcasts. Your, your your podcasting apparatus? watching it on the YouTube. He's aging himself.
0: Mary's the same person twice. I'm fascinated by these stories. Tell me, <laughs> Stacy. Nineteen
1: sixty three was an extraordinary year in the life of Dion Warwick. She toured with Sam Cook. Chubby Checker, The Shirelles, and many, many more.
0: It's incredible.
1: She had her first appearance on American Bandstand, where she also pioneered the wardrobe malfunction. Apparently, while she was performing, the zipper on the back of her dress broke. So when Dick Clark came over to interview her, she's twenty-three, twenty-four. you know, she's sung her song, first national TV appearance. He noticed that she was literally holding one hand behind her back to hold oh, her no. dress together. And, you know, whispered like, you know... Are you okay? What's going on with you know? And she tells him the zipper's broken. And so, to save the TV segment and to keep her from looking super awkward, he like reached around her waist. It probably just looked like a very chummy, sure welcoming gesture and held her dress together so that she would look natural on and her put first, her arm down. Mm-hmm, oh, that's first, so nice, exactly. Dick Clark. Mm-hmm. She was one of the first crossover artists out there with her early work appearing on pop stations and R&B stations, although for a while after the bandstand appearance, black radio hosts decided that she had crossed over into being too white. Some years later, while one of those hosts was playing her song Alfie, she anonymously called into the show to ask why he was playing this white girl's record, and he (laughs) angrily shot back, this is no white girl. She told him who she was, and they had a good laugh about the whole thing. Oh, Dion. 1964 continued her role of success with her first Ed Sullivan show appearance. Wow. Ed Sullivan was not able to pronounce her name correctly. He just got it right. Diane. Yeah, he just got it wrong. And finally, um, his producers on the the cue cards or, you know, whatever teleprompter thing they were using just put, like, the letter D, just a capital D dash (laughs) O-N. And he finally got it. So he was warm and welcoming, even though he couldn't can't say her talk.
0: name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
1: weird to have a whole show where you can't talk. Yeah. Uh, and she had a Paris show for which she was met at the airport by none other than Marlena Dietrich. No. Uh, Bert Bacharach was her like musical director uh-huh. or whatever. Marlena took her under her wing a bit and introduced her around at all of the fashion houses in Paris. Handy and that really helped Dion kind of take the mantle of the refined sophisticated style that for instance her mother had always encouraged her to uh to hold tight to. So
0: yeah, if Marlena Daytrick is taking you to the fashion houses in Paris, like that's some mm-hmm. haute couture mm-hmm. introduction that you she, can't She she was she was feeling her oats. Yep. Oh, I would have been <laughs> feeling my haute couture oats too. In terms of romance,
1: Young Dion didn't have a lot of experience with that, partly because she was so busy. I mean, can you imagine, like, the end of her high school experience was commuting into the city for work on the weekends, and then...
0: Well, that's it. The time that you'd normally spend dating, you're actually making $45 a half record.
1: Yeah. She had had a crush on an older boy when she was a young teenager, but her parents made clear that 14-year-old Dion was simply not allowed to date her 17-year-old crush. No. Later, she dated and became engaged to a soldier, but he kept getting deployed places and she had this wacky travel schedule herself, so they decided that probably it was not going to work out for them. Finally, in 1966, while doing a background session with a group called the Rhoda Scott Trio, she became acquainted with the trio's drummer, Bill Elliott. Ooh. She and her friends were frequenting Newark clubs at the time, and over a few months, she and Bill got to know each other. He was a bit of a player, but she determined that she should catch him. And sure enough, after a while, he proposed marriage. She was delighted, but family and tradition matter, so she arranged for them to visit her parents where he could ask her father's permission, you know, in, in true gentlemanly style.
0: Sure, sure. All
1: that good stuff. How you do. Well... Papa Warwick decided that he was going to schedule a hunting trip for immediately after this visit. So when he pulled Bill aside to have the talk and sort out whatever it is that fathers and suitors of their daughters sort out, Papa Warwick busied himself cleaning his rifles while the young drummer made his case. Well,
0: that's a way to Just have a talk. Classic. I would like to marry your daughter. Please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <sighs> Well, whatever Bill
1: said, Papa approved. Bill ended up being late for their wedding. Uh, he had a boat and decided to take a cruise with some friends that morning and they got stranded on the Hudson River. So he was like an hour late for his own wedding. Uh, it it's not was not a
0: very auspicious mm-mm, start. Mm-mm.
1: They did end up going through with it. And then I'm just going to quote from uh, Dion's memoir, My Life As I See It. We had moved into our first home, an apartment not far from my parents, but after three days of marriage, I just woke up and knew that I had made a huge mistake. I realized that my flexible freedom of coming and going, which I was accustomed to, would no longer exist. It felt like I had done the wrong thing. In that short period, it seemed like the marriage would have become a mess. To prevent that from happening, I thought it best to do what I did. I woke up Bill and said, I'll be back. I got on a plane to El Paso, Texas, and caught the divorce bus to Juarez, Mexico. No. It took all of three hours for me to get my Mexican divorce. I took the bus back to El Paso and flew back to New Jersey, a free woman. When the divorce decree came in the mail ten days later, I then let Bill know he was a free man again. Yes, he was surprised, but it was too late. I don't know what he thought about my decision, but he made one of his own. He decided a few days later that he wanted to pursue an acting career and headed out to California. What a mess.
0: Wait a minute. Hold on.
1: This is the story she's as she been tells married it. Three, days. three days. Three days.
0: Like, you haven't even gotten the gown dry cleaned yet. Yep. Three days. Yep.
1: And then tap, I don't want to be
0: married. Tap. So I'm going to go down, hop on a bus. Get divorced, come back, not say anything. Well, you you gotta fly first. Sorry, get get on the divorce bus to go fly to get just divorced. Like tap, yeah, tap tap tap. Hey, hey, Bill. I'm um, going out for milk, man. Gonna, I, yeah, I need to go pick up some milk. I'll be right back, and then head to the airport. And then just have the stones not to say oh, anything word. until the decree comes, and also not to ask his opinion or three days. I. Hmm. That's fast. We've had some pretty fast ones, but that may be it's up fast. there. Yeah, it gets weirder. It couldn't get weirder than that, really.
1: Bill did not make a splash in Hollywood, at least not at that point. And by 1967, he was living in San Francisco, supporting himself as a drummer again. Okay. Dion had a show in town, and lo and behold, when she walked on stage, oh, no. there was Bill right in the front row. Checking on his ex-wife, I guess. Oh, Bill. So back to her memoir. She continues, After the show, he asked if I'd have a cup of coffee with him. I did. We made small talk, and he asked for the first time why I had divorced him. (laughs) Yeah, after three days. Yeah, I let him know I was just not ready to be married. Sure. He asked where I was going after San Francisco, and I told him Milan, Italy. Two weeks later, I'm in Milan at the airport, leaving the baggage claim area when I thought I was seeing things. There stood Bill with a bouquet of flowers. I asked him what he was doing there. He said his sister had married an Italian and was living in Milan. Well, fate was on his side. He also declared he was going to woo me back. I had to admit that this was kind of romantic. And Bill's approach worked. We did still love each other, and the love won out. Two days later, we remarried in Italy, and this time our marriage lasted for 12 years and blessed us with two sons. Wait a minute. It d- it didn't last for 12 years. I don't know why she says that. Because they divorced in 75. This is 67.
0: So just the math is a little off. But he's just in baggage claim just, just waiting for her? of flowers. I'm going to win you
1: back. Yep. Wow. Yeah, probably called his sister right after they had coffee and was Coming like, to hey, yeah, come, come for a visit. <laughs> Get ready. Clean out that guest bedroom. Bill was still interested in acting... And the locus of the recording industry was in the process of resettling to the left coast as well, so the obvious thing was to move to Los Angeles. Slight wrinkle, slight spiderweb. They hired LA's best real estate agent, Dominic Dunn's friend Elaine Young.
0: Ah, mm -hmm. Elaine Young, real estate agent to the stars. To
1: take them around, and she settled them rapidly into a house on Robin Drive with neighbors like Ricardo Montalban. I think they were there for a few years. They did a reno, all that. The kids came, you know. One day, while Dion was touring, her housekeeper called and said that she had found a snake in Dion's closet while she was cleaning.
0: Oh, no, 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 no.
1: After Dion recovered from this news, the housekeeper said, Don't worry, I've called the ASPCA and they're going to come and take care of it. Okay. More news followed. The ASPCA did, in fact, come out to catch the snake and put up a snake ring outside. Presumably this is some kind of barrier that would keep other snakes from getting into Wait a the minute. house. Did the ASPCA catch the snake they or did, did not. they just barricade they, the snake? They did not find the snake. Oh, God. They never found the snake that had been in the closet. No oh, one God. ever found no. it. And the snake ring outside meant that even if it got out, it couldn't go anywhere. I don't know how snake rings work. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, it's an old joke about like, okay, we're just going to sell it. But that is what... Dionne Warwick did. She called Elaine Young from the road and said, Elaine, my house on Robin Drive is for sale, as is all the furniture, everything, and I am house hunting again. Please set me up
0: with a new home. I will not risk that there is a snake in my couch, so I am not moving my couch. Elaine Young famously married to Gig Young, the actor. Lots of old Hollywood in that little spider web. Sure. Nice to just be able to buy a whole new house, though. I mean, it worked out. She ended up in a house that was originally owned by Max Factor. Uh, uh. And then
1: Johnny Mathis, who is a friend of hers, too. And, you know, life went on.
0: Was the home snake free, though?
1: Presumably.
0: We gotta hope. She
1: probably put a sign out front. Like, (laughs) attention snakes. This is a no-go zone. Do not come on my property. Okay. She dipped her toe into working in film. She won her first Grammy. She became one of the first African-American women to host her own television special while she was recovering from giving birth to her and Bill's youngest son. These are probably halcyon days in her recollection, because in the early 70s, Scepter Records, which was her recording home since the beginning, closed. Warner Brothers swooped in to sign her, uh, as well as Burt Bacharach and Hal David. Like They kind of came as a group. But there were problems brewing between Burt and Hal, And when the first deadlines for Dion to deliver music to Warner Brothers passed, she had no music to give Uh them. There were no songs. Burt and Hal were not speaking. And they also weren't really speaking to her. There was just a full breakdown in communications. Yeah, that
0: complicates things quite a bit.
1: Warner Brothers threatened to sue all three of them for breach of contract, which, you know, rightly enough, scared the crap out of Dion, who did not want to be sued. Eventually, the label said, hey, they are your producers, they're in breach to you, and if you sue them, we won't sue you. So she did. She won. I think it's it was reported that there was like a five million dollar settlement that that Burton Hal paid. I can you guys just write a song, maybe it's private. Uh, but yeah, she and Bert did not speak for a dozen years. <sighs> after really? Mm-hmm. They, they did eventually. Well, sure. Reconcile, but... but wow. Yeah, she said, you know, I mean, they're both super active in the same industry at the same kind of elite level of that industry. And she said like events avoiding Bert at events was a tricky, complicated I bet that would process. be kind of
0: yikes on bikes. Yeah. yeah.
1: There was some event where they were in dressing rooms next door to each other and she had her assistant just like watch the hallway. Like if Bert's around, I'm not leaving this room. Anyway, complicated Meanwhile, walk on by. Walk on by. Mm-hmm. Her marriage, strained by years on the road and Bill's old playboy habits reasserting themselves, oh, was no. also collapsing around the same time. The divorce became final in 1975. And then Bill died of a heart attack like two years later. <gasps>
0: oh, my.
1: Yeah. Dion saw to it that he had a fittingly honorable burial at home in Baltimore with full military honors. He was a Navy vet so that his mother and her two children, you know, could could grieve with dignity, like...
0: Well, that's stand-up of ya. Yeah.
1: So, uh, that is the two marriages of Dion Warwick, both to Bill Elliott, who, in the end, left no option for them to try it a third time, sadly. So, let's grab another break here, and when we get back, we will get into the further adventures of Dion Warwick.
0: Okay, Stacey, you teased me with further adventures. What else have you got? I thought we were done after the... <laughs> Divorce bus, the plane ride, the baggage claim oh, no. pickup. There's
1: Barry Manilow. There's. Oh my God. Other boyfriends. Okay. Her career was in a pretty slow spot at this point in the 70s. But she used that as an opportunity to do normal mom stuff with her kids. There were carpool lines and family dinner time and, you know. Can you imagine like, seeing Dion Warwick in the sleepovers. carpool line? I mean, she also went back to school and got her master's degree in music. Good on her. Yeah. Hart College of Music, once Holy again. Holy cats. She also started, and this was kind of a pioneering step, she branched out into branding and licensing by releasing a fragrance in the early 80s. This was kind of a new thing at the time. Sure, for sure. Celebrities. To, um, what would our fragrance be if we... Trashy. Fragrance people, reach out. Okay. Um <laughs> So, stuff with Warner Brothers, like, they Warner never promoted her albums adequately. The 70s, really, it was a rough decade for her, professionally. Like, she was recording good music, but they weren't... She's like, hits don't just happen. Like, you, hits take a there's lot. There's a machine. Yeah, there's yeah. a machine, and they weren't putting the machine behind it. So, she signs with Arista Records, and from there, partners with Barry Manilow
0: as a songwriter-producer, starting in, like... Seventy 77. And I'm going to say it before. I'm going to say it again. I am a fanalo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is not a bad word that I will ever hear against very Manalo. Fanalo. I am a fanalo. He writes the songs. So, yeah.
1: So, yeah. Um, so she picked up another Grammy in 79, kind of started to get things back on track professionally. That's such
0: a good songwriter.
1: Then there was Solid Gold, the TV series. She hosted seasons one and five that, no. yeah, 1980. It ran through 88. And she just tells stories in her book. It's it's quite... Imagine being able to credibly write the line, A funny thing happened the first time I met the Pope. No. <laughs> she wanted Pope John Paul II to, Sure, Like, when she told friends and family that she was going to meet the Pope, they all handed her their personal, uh, like, crosses. Sure. Crucifixes, whatever, to, sure. um to have the Pope bless them. And so she's in line... You know the Pope is walking by. Bless you, my child. And she didn't. Ha- she didn't get the the stuff out to have him bless. And so she runs down to the end of the line <sighs> so that she can get a second bite at that apple. Anyway, a funny thing happened the first time I met the Pope. She had other relationships, some more serious than others. Uh, French composer musician Sasha Distel. This sounds like it had some emotional depth to it. He died several years before her book came out. But she says that uh, he was the one who owned her heart and she has, he was married. That certainly does
0: tend to complicate
1: a romance. complicates things, yes. Uh, Philip Michael Thomas, who played Rico Tubbs
0: on Miami Vice. We've got to get his trashy divorces in one of these days. Let's get him on deck.
1: We do, and I will, why we do is in this paragraph. So, yes, there was Philip Michael Thomas. Rico Tubbs on Miami Vice, who Dion learned too late was already in another relationship with a woman who was the mother of some of his 11 children. Yeah. 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 She says nice things about him in the book, but it's pretty clear that that didn't work at all. There was actor Gianni Russo, who played Carlo in The Godfather. This one also seems to have had some seriousness to it to the point that when Dion finally learned that he was married and had a daughter, oops, oh, no. um, she did not break it off. Yeah. Uh, however, her travel schedule left him plenty of time to pursue other interests. And he <laughs> eventually sort of ghosted is what it sounds like and moved on with another woman who he would eventually marry. So that is more or less the two marriages and subsequent dating history of Dion Warwick Aside from her storied career in the entertainment biz, she's also had some exciting interactions with law enforcement and government.
0: No. For
1: instance, in 2002, she was arrested at Miami International Airport for possessing 11 joints in a lipstick container in her (gasps) carry-on luggage. Oops. She said that someone else must have put them there. Mm. What the frick? I would never, yes. (laughs) Where did these come from? Uh, Charges were eventually dropped. There was a plea agreement that Included drug rehab, although she swears in her book that she... I don't even use aspirin, which, come on. You're 82. Please take some aspirin. It's good for your well, heart. aspirin
0: because I'm smoking marijuana. Like,
1: come on. Okay, she swears she does not use drugs of any kind, but... All right, but that's a thing that happened. In 2000, I don't know how
0: these mystery joints just ended up in my favorite color lipstick why would container. Why people
1: just put joints in my luggage?
0: Weird. <laughs>
1: In 2007, the IRS hit her with an allegation that she was $2.6 million in arrears before eventually determining that they had made an accounting error that cleared no. $1.2 million of it, so it's still
0: behind, but not two point six. Hey, that's something to get half your debt wiped from the IRS. Well, oh, in, no. t- in
1: 2013, oh, she no. filed for bankruptcy after apparently years of financial mismanagement of her business had left her $7 million in hawk to the IRS yikes, and $3 million in hock to the tax authorities of California. Ooh. So that sucks. And they tried to work out a payment. I, I, don't, I don't know how much, I don't know what kind of payment plan clears your $7 million debt, but it did not work out, which is why she had to file for bankruptcy.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Dionne Warwick is one of the biggest hitmakers in American musical history. 56 of her singles have ranked on the Hot 100. Wow. 12 of them were top 10. And when you add in her prolific catalog of duets, 80 of her songs have charted.
0: That's remarkable.
1: Yep. Some of her hits include I Say a Little Prayer, Do You Know the Way to San Jose, which she was reluctant to record. She didn't like it at first. Uh, I'll Never Fall in Love Again, Walk on By. Sure. And Anyone Who Had a Heart and Heartbreaker... She's also had numerous duets with other artists, including That's What Friends Are For,
0: which is... Classic.
1: Also, I think kind of a personal motto to her. Like, I, I think her book is very much about, like, just these longstanding relationships, where I met this person, you know.
0: After I met the Pope.
1: That duet, That's What Friends Are For, was with Elton John, Gladys Knight, and Stevie Wonder. Warwick has won several awards throughout her career, Six Grammys. There's an NAACP Image Award. Actually, I think a few. Uh, she has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And in addition to music, she's been in films, television shows, a number of uh, charitable entities, including fighting HIV AIDS and promoting the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization. It's quite the resume and a hell of a lot of staying power. As noted, she's 82 and like shows no real signs of slowing down. For trash cans, Dion gets just one. It taps you on the shoulder first thing in the morning, says, I'll be back, then races to the airport, <laughs> flies to El Paso, <laughs> takes the divorce bus to Tijuana or wherever, and poof, it's a single trash can. Just like
0: that. That is some delightful trash candy. Sometimes our stories get dark. Sometimes they get a little twisted. Not but really this one. Dion, well, that is just del- three days Getting a divorce, not even telling you. Yeah, that is some delightful, high class, high quality. I know you said like candy. let's
1: let's not get too heavy on Christmas weekend, so the, there there you are. Hey, we need to thank
0: Nancy B for the we idea do. for this one. We do indeed. She gave us the heads up mm-hmm. that we were missing out on a little bit of trash candy joy with Dion Warwick. Thank you, Nancy B. Thank you, Stacy. That's quite delightful. Oh, you're very welcome. So, yeah, Stacy. I don't know if you just want to hang out with me. We're just going to go out and get a little bit of milk. Sure, sure. And we're going to be back for you on January 4th, 2023, with wow. a whole new season of Trash Candy. In the meantime, we're still going to be trashily posting. This week airs the bonus trashy breakup of Jude Law and Sienna Miller over on Patreon as we it's a good count story. down to the new year. And friends, sometimes the holiday season does become Maybe you've noticed a podcast desert. It really does. Not over on my little side piece (laughs) podcast. Done and done. There's lots of fresh content over there for you. If you've not yet checked that out, it is a high society ride of all kinds of goodies. If you're looking for a little scandalous treat for your ears during the podcast desert time, come join us over there. It's pretty fun.
1: What a year and what a ride. Huge thanks to you for listening, for being the jolly and gentle trash pandas that you are.
0: Merry everything. Happy all of it. Friends, until we see you next year, keep those hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy, friends. Big love. Happy Merry. Holidays of all kinds. Let's just get through to the beginning of the year. We're all going to make it. We're so, so close. Big love to all y'all. Thank you again for being part of the... Part of the Trashy community. Hey, we'll see you in 2023, friends. Bye y'all. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production, created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O.
1: Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of ratsy